The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 503 for January 31st, 2016. Smartphone shipments hit an all-time high in 2015, Sprint announces new LTE markets, and Apple Pay coming to an ATM near you. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Kicking off the news, earnings this week were reported by both Apple and AT&T. Starting with Apple, the company reporting $75.9 billion in revenue and $18.4 billion in profit for the period. During the quarter, 74.8 million iPhones, 16.1 million iPads, and 5.3 million Macs were sold. According to CEO Tim Cook, he said our team delivered Apple's biggest quarter ever thanks to the world's most innovative products and all-time record sales of the iPhone, Apple Watch, and Apple TV. The growth of our services business accelerated during the quarter to produce record results, and our installed base recently crossed a major milestone 1 billion active devices. Apple's board of directors declared a cash dividend of 52 cents a share on the company's common stock. The dividend is payable February 11th and shareholders as of record on close of business February 8th, 2016 will get the dividend. So I, I did see some additional news along with this that the the iPhone sales are a little down. They're not up that as high as they wanted to, and you know there was lots of speculation. All oh, the iPhone is a uh, it's kind of reached its peak, uh, the peak, and you know that actually may well be the case. But there's nothing to to freak out about the the way Apple has positioned themselves. They have done long-term strategy on the iPhone, and, and they are going to have some slowdown like like we see here because we are in the, the S model now. The The iPhone 6 came out, uh, you know, last year or the year before, and it's going to take, uh, you know, the, the sales are going to slow because now anticipation of a new redesign model is approaching and of course, as we've talked about numerous times, the devices themselves are lasting longer because the, the change isn't as great each model year. And this is just going to happen because of the, the way the market is. Absolutely. And as we as you mentioned, the new model that will be out here, we'll start seeing rumors or at least a lot more rumors about this within the next couple of months. We've already seen some about potentially getting rid of the uh, the headphone jack and, you know, possibly even some additional things that are coming as far as features are concerned. But either way, um, people are going to start thinking about this. And um, granted, most I'll just say common folk, the you know, kind of the not early adopters are going to get a new phone when they get a new phone and whenever they need a new phone. Uh, but those that are really watching this thing and, and wanting to get it on the first day are, are going to be waiting here because it's 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 only a short nine months away at this point. It, totally. And, you know, another thing that I think is really going to be, uh, you know, or is affecting this is the fact that, uh, you know, most of the carriers have gotten away from the two year contract pricing. Now consumers actually know that the phone costs, you know, six, seven hundred dollars. And they're going to be, you know, probably purchasing a little bit less frequently than they have previously with the contract prices. I think about the the plan that I'm on right now. It's not a contract plan. It's a payment and in, installment type of plan. Uh, and you know there were there are different incentives that carriers give uh, depending on when you sign up for your phone. And you know you may get some money off up front, or you may get a a portion of your monthly payment that gets credited or whatever. Uh, but either way, um, it's very interesting. In in to your point that the the individual now is 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 essentially bearing that cost in a way that is exceptionally transparent compared to how it used to be. And so now that you're thinking about, well, I could either save $25 a month or I can have a new phone. Yeah, this phone is doing okay for me still. 
Yeah, of course, the, the flip side is they've got a, a lot more of these leasing programs where you can get the new one every year or every six months or whatever that uh, whatever those programs are. I, I know a few people that are doing those, but it seems like the vast majority have you know, purchased them. Yeah. And so as we move into the next couple of months, as we've mentioned, there will be a lot more rumors and there'll be a lot more things that we'll be talking about. And and I think with with every passing story and every passing post that comes out, uh, you're going to see fewer iPhones that get sold. And I think that's relatively kind of just say natural as far as this, uh, uh, you know, the, the life cycle of this device is going to go. And as far as a peak in the number of devices that are sold, I don't know that uh, we'll get to 100 million iPhones a quarter being sold um, in the next you know year or two years if ever I don't know um, you know because you think about what that actually means and that means you know almost half a billion phones a year getting sold and uh, you know there's a lot of Android phones there's a lot of competition that's still out there and so granted the iPhone is a very popular device but it's not the only thing out there and so not everybody has to have it in fact um, we'll talk about in just a second here um, talking about 500 or half yeah 500 million phones sold a year that's about a third of all the devices in the world. So we're we're kind of encroaching on a, an interesting point here with that. But anyway, back to earnings. AT&T reporting their earnings this week, noting a pretty large increase in consolidated revenues. This, of course, due to its direct TV acquisition and then uh, also some pretty solid wireless subscriber growth. AT&T says it brought up consolidated revenues of $42.1 billion. That's up 22% from the prior year. Uh, for the full year results, they brought in revenues of $146.8 billion. That's up 10.8% from the $132 billion in 2014. On the wireless side, AT&T says that they added 2.8 million customers with 2.2 million in the U.S. and 638,000 in Mexico. Now, AT&T noting that AT&T Mexico, which came about from the purchase of Mexican carriers Iusacell and Nextel, accounted for nearly 8.7 million total subscribers uh, by the end of 2015. Also, the LTE network for AT&T now covers 355 million pops, and the postpaid churn was 1.18% with a total churn of one8 5%. Now, uh, the talking about 355 million covered, uh, there's not that many people in the U.S., so they're clearly pulling in some Mexico numbers there as well. So that's kind of an interesting thing that they're starting to uh, report that way. But either way, um, good growth for AT&T in the quarter there as well. Now, going back to uh, smartphone numbers here, in 2015, smartphone shipments hit a record 1.43 billion units. That's up 10.1% from 2014. In the last quarter of the year, shipments were 399.5 million units. That's an increase of 5.7% from the same period a year ago. Samsung has the top spot with as far as manufacturers are concerned. Huawei uh, came in very closely, though. They had 106.6 million units that netted a year-over-year growth of 44%. So if you don't think that Huawei's got uh, any traction, think again. So big numbers there on the Android side, too. It's amazing, you know, just a few years ago, you didn't even know Huawei's name. Uh, they did make some, uh, you know, branded phones that you would have no idea Huawei made them. But, uh, you know, they've really switched their, you know, switched gears and, and started marketing their brand. And it's really taken off. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, you talk about 106 million. What does that actually come out to per quarter? Talking about the entire uh, the entire uh, industry, Samsung in the period, the fourth quarter, 
uh, 85.6 million smartphones. That's up 21 point, or that's at 21.4% of the market share, 14% year over year growth. Huawei was second, as we mentioned, it was at 32.4 million shipments, 8.1% market share. Uh, and mentioning that uh, they're also up almost 40% in year over year for the quarter growth. Lenovo accounted for 202 million shipments. That's a massive increase, 44% from uh, the fourth quarter of 14. And Zomni shipped 18.2 million devices. So overall, Samsung shipped in the year 324 million devices. Um, you know, this is a, a pretty solid number for them. That's year over year growth of 2.1%. Apple was uh, still a distant second, 231 million iPhones, an increase of 202%, though, from 2014. Just think about that, 202% increase. Huawei, of course, the standout vendor at 44.3% uh, growth uh, and also kind of never, it wasn't even on the chart for this last year. And we mentioned, of course, Lenovo there as well as Zomni. So uh, very uh, interesting here to talk about. You know, it's still really a Samsung and uh, an Apple race, but you know, uh, this, you know, what was a small Chinese company, at least small for U.S. standards a couple of years ago is now in second place as far as the number of devices that are coming online. And that's amazing. And, and of course, the, 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 the iPhone increase of 202 percent compared to Samsung's 2 percent. Whoa, that's quite a uh, that's quite a number. And, and, and of course, with the, the earnings call that we talked about earlier, I mean, why would anybody be saying Apple's got an issue here with iPhones? I mean, that's uh, that's an amazing thing to say. Yeah. So uh, either way, good, uh, good to see here. But kind of overall, um, you know, numbers wise, we're talking about 1.5 billion units shipped uh, in 2015 or um, 1.4. So I, I would imagine we'll top 1.5 billion next year. Um, and as you look at what this, uh, you know, what this means from a uh, from a smartphone perspective, um, you've probably got around the world 40% of people that have phones have got smartphones at this point. Um, there's probably somewhere around three to four million uh, wireless devices that are billion wireless devices that are out there. And so, um, you know, as we as we see new devices that are, are coming online um, and replacing older devices, of course, this this number that we're, we're trying to eventually get to a one-to-one uh, for, for every person on the planet is still going to take quite a bit of time to get to. We're still, we're at 7 billion people in the world, over 7 billion now, and we're talking about in a, or any given year, you know, just over a billion. Uh, so we've got a ways to go before we get to that point. So either way, um, you know, but interesting to see just how fast things are still growing here, even in 2015, 2016, certainly we'll continue to see that trend go forward. Verizon Wireless installing nearly 100 cells to make sure its network can handle the crush of a million or more fans around this year's Super Bowl in the San Francisco Bay Area. The volume of phone calls and data usage goes up significantly around events like the Super Bowl, and Verizon expects its traffic to double uh, in the downtown San Francisco area around several city blocks uh, that will be closed for fan gatherings. Now, keeping up with that demand forces carriers to plan ahead and cr- have creative ideas on how to get their radios all over the place. Verizon started uh, scoping out its $70 million strategy two years ago and been, began installing uh, new radios last year. In San Francisco alone, the carrier is installing 46 small cells and 10 traditional macro cells for the week of the game. 
Yeah, the rest of Verizon's infrastructure is spread out uh, around Market Street and is permanent. Mobile growth is growing faster in San Francisco than anywhere else in the West. And uh, the tech boom, along with tourism, is driving that. Verizon is struggling to keep up with the number of devices that are using its network, and uh, it wants to eventually install hundreds of more small cells throughout San Francisco. The reason to serve crowded places like this, you've got to get close to users and get down closer to them as as far as the, the, the proximity to them and, and also in the height. Uh, so if you think about a traditional cell tower, which is up on top of a building, you want to get a small cell down like on a light post. And so uh, Verizon is installing uh, these small cells only about a block apart from each other in the Super Bowl City area. They're using light poles and also hidden inside advertising kiosks as well. They also have put up uh, a cell site on wheels uh, in the area there to uh, provide additional service in there. And also uh, the other locations that they've installed have been around in hotels in the adjacent area and also putting up uh, different cell sites on uh, these you know 100-year-old buildings uh, that have uh, been in a way to match the exterior of the building so as not to detract from the architecture. So very interesting stuff here we're hearing from Verizon. You know the other carriers are doing the same. Well, and, you know, I seriously, I look at an embassy suites uh, out my window and, you know, for the past three years, I never noticed there was uh, concealed cell phone towers uh, that they look like they're brick. Uh, they're next to the, on the roof. They're, they, they're next to like a chimney structure. And I never realized they were cell towers until I was, you know, looking at the, the wiring laying on the roof and realized, well, where's all that wiring going? I'm like, oh, there are hidden cell phone towers in there. So I thought that was kind of crazy. Well, and you know, it's it's long are the days uh, that we're from here of the where we had the the fake palm trees or you know evergreen trees. I mean, certainly you still see them if you're driving, you know, through the you know on rural areas and stuff like that. But generally, you know, when you're inside of uh, you know a city boundary, you're looking for places to put towers and, and you don't want to or the antennas and you don't want to make them stick out. And so, uh, yeah, it's very interesting the things that they'll do. And it's it's easier than ever to hide these things because it just can be something that can easily be fabricated and to look like something else. And, you know, from the ground, if you're looking 10 stories up, it looks just fine. Uh, no one's going to ever know. So very, very interesting stuff here. Uh, now, all of this infrastructure that Verizon is building out is paying off. Uh, download speed tests in the downtown area, uh, downtown San Francisco area are exceeding 50 megabits per second. So as uh, we see the crush of people going into the Bay Area over the next week here, I'm sure there'll be some interesting uh, uh, metrics that they're following up on here to, uh, to report back on how, their, uh, on how their network performed with all of these people coming in to use it. Sprint on Monday said it doubled the availability of its LTE Plus coverage from 77 markets in November to, then, to more than 150 markets in January. Some of the markets include Boulder, Colorado, West Palm Beach, Florida, Cleveland, Ohio, and Syracuse, New York. LTE Plus is that new branding for what used to be Sprint Spark, and LTE Plus is the company's tri-band LTE network using 800, 1.9 gigahertz, and uh, 2.5 gigahertz spectrum. Uh, Sprint uses carrier aggregation to increase capacity and beam forming to improve connections between cell sites and handsets. Sprint says these techniques have also helped improve speeds across their network, and they have a dozen handsets that take advantage of the technologies, including the newest Apple iPhone 6S and Samsung Galaxy S6. Boost Mobile on Tuesday announcing a new multi-line plan for families. There are now two tiers for families, unlimited talk, text, and a gig and a half of high-speed data, and unlimited talk and text and five gigs of high-speed data per line. The first tier is $70 a month for two lines, $90 for three lines, and $100 for four lines. The second tier, $70 for two, $95 for three, and $120 for four lines. 
boost mobile throttles users who exceed the monthly data cap but doesn't charge overages. In addition to the new rate plans, they announced several new promotions, including boost deals, that's deals with a Z, a way for customers to earn credit each month for watching ads. The free app is available to Android Android phones and shows ads and, and special offers uh, when users unlock their handsets. Boost will reward customers for $5 every single month that the app is active on their phone. For a limited time, new customers can get up to two free smartphones when activating a family plan, and customers can gain unlimited talk and text to and from Mexico with 8 gigs of data for $5 more. Boost says customers can pay their bills up to 14 days late without seeing their service disrupted and can still receive incoming calls and messages even when accounts are 60 days past due. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, also, customers who enroll in Auto Reboost will receive $5 off their current plan, and customers who make on-time payments will receive 500 megabytes of more more of high-speed data for every three timely payments. Boost Mobile offers free mobile hotspot on their plans and unlimited music streaming on Pandora, Slacker, iHeartRadio, Samsung Milk Music, and 8-Tracks. Well, if you're in an area where Boost uh, has decent coverage, that's not a bad price when you're going into those multi-line deals. Like, for example, that one, the the, the first one, for, you know, $25 a line if you have four lines uh, for unlimited talks to, uh, talk and text and a gig and a half of data and, and not much more for... Uh, five gigs of data so that's not too bad especially if you can take advantage of the and you do a lot of streaming of music and you can take advantage of one of these services then absolutely it makes a lot of sense um you know i think about how much data that i use and i i'm, I'm actually not that much when you pull out um you know my music streaming I've, i found uh that was really where i was i was sucking up a lot of data and um you know, so I, I looked the other day and I'm just over a, a gig of data, you know, and most of that is uh, based off of email from downloading, sending, sending, receiving attachments and pictures and stuff like that. So it's amazing. Uh, just, you know, if, if you're if all you're doing is uh, just kind of regular stuff on your phone and you're in Wi-Fi most of the time, a gig and a half, you can you can get away with it. So interesting stuff there. In other Sprint prepaid news, the carrier announcing it has a new strategy for the prepaid brand Virgin Mobile. During a call with analysts, Sprint said the company is de-emphasizing Virgin in favor of Boost Mobile and has actually pulled Virgin Advertising ahead of this new strategy's debut. Sprint did not say what it plans to do with Virgin, though it said it would not pursue the prepaid space as aggressively as rivals Cricket and Metro PCS. CEO Marcello Claire took the opportunity to reassure investors and customers that its network improvement plan would not be disruptive. This is not a rip and replace strategy, said Claire. It's calling the implementation a progressive build out that it, uh, that it will make changes for the better. The company is expected to relocate some of its cell towers and make greater use of macro and small cells uh, to densify its network. It will also shift some of the backhaul operations to microwave to cut down on fiber carriage fees that it pays to AT&T and Verizon. And uh, Claire believes that Sprint can still become either the number one or number two carrier in terms of absolute performance in 80% of the country's markets within the next two years. Well, and I doubt that because they've been promising that for years and I, I just don't see that. And, and of course, with the Virgin Mobile, you know, it was a, a kind of a brand that, that used to be an MVNO for Sprint and then they bought Boost and then all of a sudden, they, you know, they, the Boost used to be the Nextel network, it's prepaid. And then all of a sudden they kind of made, you know, Boost and Virgin the same thing and they just kept going together. And I'm, I'm not sure why they didn't uh, make a move like this uh, sooner to consolidate the prepaid into one prepaid brand to make it easier and cheaper to market. Yeah, it, it seemed always a little silly that they had both of these going, but uh, certainly I would, I would, I would imagine us here. We're talking about this in a month from now after they've announced this, and it's going to make a lot of sense that Virgin is, you know, I, I'm not even sure what it is if they're going to go after a certain demographic or if they're going to take it and, and offer different types of of things here. But um, certainly, it's still going to be prepaid. 
maybe it would be a good idea if they offered something like, you know, uh, tablet plans or computer plan or something just com- kind of completely different from what uh, we normally get with the where it's, you know, minutes tied in. Yeah, just focus on Virgin or focused on Boost and then have Virgin as uh, whatever it is that they want it to be. But uh, anyway, we'll see what happens here with them. Finally, from Sprint, um, they announced this week they had trimmed 2,500 employees primarily in its Kansas headquarters and six customer care centers. They uh, actually completely closed call centers in Virginia, New Mexico, Tennessee, and Texas. Um, the executives of Sprint are looking to cut $2.5 billion in expenses over the next year uh, with a headcount reduction, among other measures that will allow the company to reach that goal. In T-Mobile news, T-Mobile Thursday increasing the number of content partners available to its binge on service. Customers can now stream content from, most importantly, Amazon Video, as well as Fox News, Univision Now, and WWE Network uh, all over their LTE network without impacting monthly data. T-Mobile says Binge On is available through more than 40 content partners. In addition to the broader selection of partners, T-Mobile is making the service easier to manage. Customers can now use short codes to change personal settings, such as pound B-O-F pound to turn Binge On off and pound B-O-N pound to turn it back on. Further, T-Mobile has updated MyTMobile.com and the official T-Mobile application so binge on settings can be adjusted with less digging and fewer clicks. The revised application is being made available to Android handsets and will be expanding to the iPhone in the weeks ahead, which is actually uh, well needed. The T-Mobile application is uh, quite long in the tooth and uh, could use some revision, so that's good to see. T-Mobile also increasing the amount of data available to its simply prepaid customers. The entry-level $40 plan improves from 1 gig per month to 3 gigs per month. The $50 plan goes from 3 to 5 gigs, and the $60 plan goes from 5 to 10 gigs. All three include unlimited talk and text, but unlimited calling and messaging services require extra fees. Those who don't need uh, data can grab an unlimited talk and text plan for $25 per month. U.S. Cellular adjusted prepaid service plans this week. The $30 entry-level plan for basic phones includes 500 voice minutes and unlimited text. Stepping up to the $35 plan for smartphones provides unlimited talk and text and 500 megs of high-speed data. $45 will get you high-speed data up to 2 gigs, and the $60 plan gives you 5 gigs of data. The plans are all available immediately. And BT has made it through regulatory approvals and is now able to complete the company's purchase of EE. Picking up and absorbing the largest UK mobile operator, the £12.5 billion deal is a victory for BT, who has plans to enter the competitive mobile industry once again. 31 million EE customers will be included in the deal, which will put BT as the strongest position against the competition. And they offer uh, mobile phone options uh, through EE with limited TV and broadband service, combining the two companies together with these packages will make sense and prevent the overlap for the services. In device news, uh, rumors from Apple, according to Bloomberg, Apple stepping into the wireless charging game here at some point in 2017. The report claiming that Apple is working in, in conjunction with partners in the U.S. and Asia to develop the wireless charging technology. It's said to allow iPhones and iPads to be powered from further away than current charging mats or inductive solutions would allow. The change isn't, though, expected to occur in this coming year's cycle. So I, I don't really know what this means, right? We're talking about... Uh, um, you know, having charging occur at some particular distance. And I, I don't know what that means. I mean, does it mean when you put it in on a nightstand and you've got one of these things somewhere on the nightstand or, you know, on a desk? I, I, I'm trying to figure out how this is going to work. 
I don't, I mean, you can send power from great distances, but of course your efficiency drops drastically and Apple's really not about wasting energy. I mean, because, uh, I mean, uh, imagine what kind of load that is over all these iPhones uh, added up over time. And, and I, I don't exactly, I mean, I would imagine it would be a couple of inches, not, uh, not literally, literally has to be like indirect contact with the charging mats that we know today. So that would be my, my gut feel, but um, I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen, of course, anything from Apple with uh, with inductive charging other than the new Apple Watch, which, of course, could be kind of the, the signal that they're going to be getting into that game. But I don't know. Uh, we'll just have to kind of wait, see how this plays out. Well, but charging a, a watch, which has a 300 milliamp hour battery versus an iPad. I'm trying to remember what an iPad is. It's like 15,000 milliwatt hours or 40,000 or something. I mean, it's crazy how much an iPad has, you know, phone's got, you know, 1500 or something like that. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I totally agree with you though, that the, the idea of wasting power, um, to do something like this is, is just not, uh, you know, kind of in Apple's DNA. And so I would imagine that over, um, you know, their testing periods here, they're trying to figure out what they can do to be efficient with this. All I know is it would be a, a, a welcomed uh, thing to have wireless charging on the devices because it, it is, it's actually very difficult to plug the lightning connector in. I mean, you have to have both hands to do it. Uh, I feel sorry for people who have, you know, either arthritis or, uh, or some conditions or disabilities where it, it makes it difficult to, you know, do things with both hands because it, unplugging and plugging, is, those are tough connectors. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly something if you've ever tried to do it where you're like reaching over onto the nightstand and unplug your phone with one hand, it's, it's nearly impossible and you end up like yanking the cord out of it or out of the wall or something like that it's it's not good so anyway we'll see what happens here yeah certainly would be um would be a nice thing to see i um i've used uh, wireless charging uh with various third-party accessories and I, I think it's a great thing and would love to see it uh continue uh continue on with some sort of native solution that they would come up with samsung on monday began sales of the gear 2 classic new edition this is either an 18 karat rose gold or platinum style watch um, this gold smartwatch is plated, though not solid, and the final pricing has uh, yet to be announced. The rose gold model ships with a white leather band and the platinum version with a black leather band. More bands will be available over time. The watches will run on Samsung's Tizen operating system and feature a rotating bezel for easier command of the user interface. The S2 Classic New Edition reaches China first and, and will expand to other markets over time. No word on when they'll come to the U.S. LG on Tuesday said it will announce two high-end smartphones during 2016 to better face off against competition. The company believes the new flagship models will be a more cost-competitive value chain and will help recoup costs uh, and profits and market share throughout the year. LG did not provide any details about these new phones, but it's likely the flagships will improve the LG G-Series and V-Series devices. LG reported its fourth quarter earnings this week, and it generated a profit of $301 million. That's a, almost a 30% increase year over year, attributed mostly, mostly to the performance of its home appliance division. The company's handset division recorded revenue of $3.2 billion on shipments of 15 million phones. LG sh said that it shipped 60 million phones in 2015 and has also been seeing improved sales in North America. OnePlus on Thursday made the OnePlus X available on its website with no invitation required. OnePlus has also put some accessories on sale for 20% off. Huawei this week said the Honor 5X handset is now available. This supports uh, AT&T and T-Mobile LTE bands. It's a mid-range device with a unibody design, 5.5-inch screen, 13-megapixel camera, 1.5-gigahertz octa-core processor, and 2 gigs of RAM. Only $200 available from hihonor.com, amazon.com, and newegg.com. 
And Cricket Wireless says that the ZTE Grand X3 is now available in uh, in their stores and online for $130. 5.5-inch screen and Category 4 LTE with a USB Type-C connector, 2 gigs of RAM, and 16 gigs of storage. $50 will be taken off the price of the device if you switch from another carrier, and you'll get another $50 in a gift card if you port your number over from that carrier as well. Microsoft saying on Thursday that it has sold half as many Lumia smartphones as it did a year ago, and that trend will be continuing, which might be uh, that uh, we're seeing the very end here of the Lumia smartphone line. In its quarterly earnings on Thursday, Microsoft said that it sold only 4.5 million Lumia phones during the fourth calendar quarter, and that was down almost 60% compared to the 10 million sold in the year-ago period. Phone revenue declined 53%, uh, and also the uh, CFO of Microsoft said it expects the phone revenue would decline uh, a comparable amount in the coming quarter as well. Well, that's kind of sad to hear. I mean, it used to be a really, you know, strong brand. Uh, I don't know, what was that, you know, 12 years ago, it used to be, you know, one of the biggest brands and camera, you know, innovation. Um, but of course, the the bigger question this leads to is, you know, what does this mean for Windows Phone? I mean, it, it, it doesn't sound good that they're losing this much on their own uh, their own models. Yeah, I, I, I think it means the end of Windows Phone as we know it. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, there's a lot of people um, that used to really be advocates for it that are no longer. And at this point, it's like BlackBerry. It doesn't make any sense for them to continue making the hardware. It's just not going to be a profitable endeavor. And, uh, you know, if, if to your point, if the, the line that is being promoted by the company making the software is not doing well, how could anyone else expect to uh, do well there either? So, um, again, we, it goes back to this two-horse race thing that we keep talking about with Android and iOS, and uh, that's pretty much it. And you're going to have this. I never, I never expected we would see more than 5% of the market share go to Windows Phone, but uh, it seems like it's it's pretty pretty dire at this point for them. So either way, Lumia may not be here for much more. J.P. Morgan Chase and other banks preparing the next generation of ATMs to allow withdrawals from their smartphones. Chase is uh, said to be the, have the first series of new ATMs that will grant the cash through the Chase mobile application and require a code to do so. The second series of new ATMs will support NFC, allowing smartphone owners to tap their handsets uh, to ATMs in order to initiate transactions. The machines will continue to support ATM cards, but will offer mobile access as an option as well. Chase also plans to increase the amount of cash customers can withdraw during banking hours, as well as expanding the list of services available on ATMs, such as cashing uh, checks and competing mor- uh, completing mortgage payments, that is. Uh, Bank of America and Wells Fargo have similar projects underway. Wells Fargo says that they've been working on technology allowing them to hook in digital wallets, leveraging NFC uh, on mobile phones, and also replacing the card at the transaction at the ATM. Right now, the wallet is uh, able to support Android Pay, and they're also working on Apple Pay. Uh, Bank of America has confirmed it's completing uh, its solution for a cardless ATM solution as well. That would enable customers to leverage NFC technology on their smartphones in order to authenticate and complete transactions at Bank of America ATMs. They're targeting late February in select markets such as Boston, New York, and San Fran with uh, the expansion over time. Chase and Wells Fargo, though, did not provide timelines on these smartphone-enabled ATMs. Maybe this is the, uh, the, the, the boost we need for NFC payments to get uh, more traction out there is the, the banks actually promoting it uh, with the use of ATMs and some other services where maybe I wouldn't say give a discount, but maybe some sort of, uh, you know, give an incentive to people to start getting used to using 
their NFC devices for uh, payments and cash and instead of cards, which would be great to kind of get this into the uh, mainstream market more at retailers. I'm telling you, it's uh, as I've, I've started to use it more and more these days, and I'm not sure. Um, if I just happen to be at establishments that have it more or whatever it is, but my favorite market just uh, took and put in an Apple Pay enabled uh, reader. Um, and so especially with the watch, um, I find it is immensely quicker just to especially if you're like holding a bunch of stuff. Um, I've got kids. I'm holding the kids, you know, double tap on the watch. You hit it down on the thing and you're you're off to, off to the races. And I love that. Um, and I use it every single place I possibly can at this point. So um, uh, to your point, I, I love the idea that uh, the banks are the ones that can help boost the, the adoption right here because I still feel like a lot of uh, retailers are are not using it, you know, something like a square reader, uh, you know, that where you can still, you swipe your card and, and it's an easy transaction on an iPad is one thing, but hopefully someone like a square will also start embedding the NFC into that little terminal. And so they do, they yeah, do. They're new, yeah. Their new ones have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and I think they give them away, don't they? I mean, you don't, if they're $10 and you get a $10 credit or something like that when you buy these things. So um, it's stuff like that that I think is it's going to be it, this slow process, but ultimately it's going to it's going to continue on here. I absolutely love the idea of being able to pull out money with my watch at an ATM. It's just one more place where I don't have to think about having because I carry an ATM card around right now solely for the purpose of pulling out cash. That is the only reason I have that particular card in my wallet. I never use it ever, ever, ever for transactions. And so I, I would if, if as soon as my bank uh, were to adopt something like this, I would absolutely get rid of that card out of my wallet. Well, and again, um, you know, as we've talked about numerous times, the, 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 the transaction through the phone is a lot more secure than using the card, especially a card with a magnetic strip only. Um, I mean, the, 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 the phone uh, makes the connection a lot like the, the chip and pin, but I think it's even better, but, um, but it's better than the standard magnetic strip. Absolutely, it is. And so uh, a very cool thing that uh, could be coming down uh, the line here before too long here that I think a lot of people will will use and and ultimately start to adopt because you've got your phone with you. Maybe you don't have your wallet. Easy to pick up some cash, whether you're out for the night or at an event or just running down, uh, you know, you're you're pulling in the drive through with your car and easy to pull out cash and you don't have to pull your wallet out of your pocket because your phone is uh, already sitting in the cup holder. So it could be could be a lot of great things to come with this. It could be. And just if you're curious, the square uh, NFC and uh, chip and pin uh, chip and pin reader for the for their payment is $50. It's not free, but uh, um, it's only $50. Yeah. And I mean, I would use it if I was at a place and I saw that they had that there. So anyway, very, very interesting software news. Apple on Monday releasing a handful of new beta builds. Developers can download iOS 9.3 beta 2, watch OS 2.2 beta 2 and TV OS beta 9.2. Each beta has bug fixes and performance upgrades compared with the prior versions. The consumer versions of the beta should be available shortly. Apple released iOS, or excuse me, tvOS 9.1.1 to consumers, adding the podcast application to the platform. Microsoft released News Pro for iOS devices this week, a news and article aggregating application delivering hyper-relevant news to users based on their interests. Like Apple News, Pro News allows users to select from more than 1 million topics to receive catered results. The app can find articles and topics 
topics you didn't know you needed, says Microsoft. Users can sign in via Facebook or LinkedIn if they wish and extend the app's abilities to suggest certain content and share it with social connections. That app is free to download. Facebook this week made its live video feature available to all iPhone users in the U.S. Similar to Twitter's Periscope application, live video from Facebook lets people broadcast live video to their friends. Broadcasters uh, see the number of views, viewers and their names and can real-time stream of stream their comments. Live broadcasters are automatically saved Broadcasts are automatically saved to users' timelines where they can be kept or deleted. People will be able to see live videos in their news feed as well as subscribe to the feeds of their favorite broadcasters. Facebook will send alerts to people who know when the broadcasters are going live. Facebook said it expects to expand live video to more countries shortly, but it has, hasn't said when Android devices will have access to the feature. Google updated Hangouts for Android this week with the ability to send responses to incoming notifications. So this new function makes it quicker to send replies. It doesn't require the opening of the Hangouts application to do so. It also lets users pin conversation shortcuts to the home screen for quick access to specific threads. Hangouts 7.0 requires Android 4.1 or higher and is free to download from the Play Store. Google Docs for Android and iOS got a big update this week with the addition of commenting. Google says document collaboration can now mean easily making comments in documents, sheets, and slides files from their smartphone or tablet. Further, users can tag colleagues in comments and include them in conversations. The tools will help boost productivity of Docs and uh, on both iOS and Android devices as well as the desktop as everyone can now make, see, and respond to these comments. So they had comments on the, uh, the, the normal applications but not on the mobile apps. Is that what the, the big changes here yeah exactly and so it's just it makes more of a consistent experience for collaboration across and this is i guess this has been one of the big you know concerns about using it especially on like the ipad or the ipad pro if you're trying to use these these uh you know these cloud-based services for for document editing and whatnot you don't get the exact same experiences that you get on the desktop and that's what's really frustrating about any of these services yeah the the different the, the varying uh user interfaces and the options and features you have access to and that that right there i mean because Google Docs is really, it really was from the beginning designed as a, you know, collaborative thing. And if they just are getting around to adding the comments now to the, the mobile applications, what's took them so long? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it, it's one of those things that just takes, you know, you know, whatever, whatever the limitation was, who knows. But either way, uh, they're all free. So you can go get doc sheets and slides now from uh, the Google Play and iTunes app stores and now make your comments on your mobile devices. Google on Tuesday updating its inbox app with new search tools, making searching more efficient. Uh, now searching uh, for a tracking number will allow inbox to find tracking numbers buried within emails and show the numbers of the corresponding messages at the top of the search results. The tool works with details like phone numbers, addresses, order numbers, reservations, and frequent flyer numbers. Inbox delivering streamlined search results as well. So under the quick at answers box, you will now see top results for emails according to their relevance, followed by the results in chronological order. Google believes new tools will uh, save users of the inbox application time. Microsoft on Monday said it's adding new features to Cortana to help people better manage their schedules. Cortana will be more proactive by uh, with reminders. And Microsoft says people make uh, promises or often make promises or commitments to one another in email such as saying things like, I'll get back to you on that, uh, or um, let me see what I can find out, and uh, then fail to follow through with them, of course, because they forget. Uh, tools from Microsoft Research were implemented, and so Cortana is now able to scan email messages for those types of commitments and automatically add reminders to help people keep track of those. Uh, Microsoft also took steps to improve Cortana's ability to help manage calendar appointments, and they say users can now, or Cortana is now able to see individuals' unique work styles, such as when they generally like to take meetings and when 
meeting requests arrive that fall outside the preferred meeting windows, Cortana will send alerts so that the recipient can take up the appropriate action, whether it be to reschedule the request or set an alarm. Cortana's new powers will reach Windows Insiders and Windows 10 PCs first and expand to other Windows 10 devices and users over time. I think Cortana, instead of reminding me to uh, reply to the person, I think should, should just figure out what the reply should be and just send it for me. Don't you think that's a, a even better option? Yeah, and then either file or delete the email so you don't ever even have to see it. Just absolutely take, take care of the action for me. Yeah. Nothing can go wrong there. Nothing at all. Google on Wednesday said it has partnered with the semiconductor startup Movidus, uh, Movidius uh, to bring deep learning to smartphones. Movidius specializes in computer vision and has helped with Google's Project Tango 3D mapping effort. Android handsets are able to identify objects and photos, but a network connection is required to send the images to Google servers where the calculations take place. The new venture will see smartphones handle object recognition on their own, uh, independent from Google servers. And under the arrangement uh, with Movidius, Google plans to purchase an unspecified number of the company's chips along with the necessary software. And uh, they're looking to add these features to smartphones sooner rather than later. Google has not spelled out exactly how uh, they will use these chips in future handsets, though. And finally, Yahoo on Thursday made new versions of Yahoo Mail available for Android and iOS. The email application brings customizable swiping gestures to both platforms. For example, users can set swipes to add stars to individual messages, move them to specific folders, delete messages, or archive them. The Android app gains the ability to reply to incoming notifications, and the redesigned multi-select toolbar adds a wider array of actions. The iOS app now lets users see recent attachments when composing emails, as well as creating, deleting, and organizing folders. Mail is free to download, and also Yahoo has unveiled a redesigned homepage application for Android and iOS with the goal of making news and other content easier to find and read. Well, no questions or comments this week, but uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got anything for us, send us email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and uh, leave us a message there and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.